Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. The SLE Podcast Channel. The perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. And now, a beauty production presents the most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. Welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 59. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we are bad sports. Not yet bad, but... It seems like they're making a lot of progress outside of the MLB to get on the way. And, you know, there's some hope now. We finally got some hope with some sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, people like you and I are super excited because now we have content to talk about somewhat. Um, pretty soon in a couple of months, we'll have content to actually talk about and break down and dissect. And like you said, everybody's pretty much set to go besides Major League Baseball. UFC pretty much never left. Fight Island is coming up soon. Uh, so pretty pumped about that. Uh, basketball is coming back. Football seems to be starting on time. College football as well. And then again, you have baseball, who is uh, not, not sure what they're doing. To, to, in, in better ways, you could describe it perfectly as that Patrick meme with the, the piece of wood nailed to his forehead. That's baseball right now. Pretty much any Patrick part describes baseball from SpongeBob. Uh, but, you know, other than that, there's been so long without sports and. You know, what have you been doing pretty much? What's uh, any hobby taken up, any TV show, any Netflix show that's been your go-to part? Well, you know, what's pretty funny. And a lot of people talk to me about this when they, you know, a lot of people like to discuss, oh, like what shows are you watching? And even before sports, I realized I didn't watch much TV outside of sports, right? Because, you know, you and I are both big baseball fans. There's a game almost every night for baseball live on TV, whether it's Mets game. Um, for basketball, you know, I'll tune into those high-profile matchups of when it's Lakers Clippers, you know, football on Sundays and Mondays. So a lot of my TV time is taken up by sports that I realize I don't watch much TV. So this was a perfect opportunity for me to dive into shows that, you know, people have recommended to me and I've never been able to do yet before. You know, I've rewatched The Office now about nine times. I love that show, always have. Um, I'm currently rewatching How I Met Your Mother, even though I hate the way it ends. Um, I'm also watching Gotham now. So, and before anybody gets on me, I am going to start Breaking Bad eventually. So it's kind of a silver lining because I thought I was going to be really sad without sports, but I've actually been pretty good because, you know, it's opened up, you know, a whole another bunch of TV shows that I never got around to watching when they were actually on the air. So, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I've, I've actually been watching Netflix a decent amount. Uh, I haven't caught that any of the Disney plus, uh, uh, surprisingly. But uh, Big Bang Theory is another one. It's usually on almost all the time for me, and I usually watch that show uh, if I can't get any two-and-a-half-men reruns. <laughs> but <laughs> with that, I want to jump into the MLB first because they seem to be a whole kind of mess out there compared to all other sports. And part of that is because their season wasn't starting. 
we had the NHL was almost at the playoffs. The NBA was 65, 66 games into their season. The MLB was only two weeks into preseason before everything got shut down on them. And, you know, you listen to what Rob Manfred's saying, and he's seriously concerned that there might not be a season this year as well. He's like, you know, we're trying to do it, but there's, what, it looks like a 50-50 chance at this part. Are you worried that there might not be a season this year with the MLB? Uh, Yeah, I am very worried, considering that you had the commissioner almost two weeks ago on ESPN or wherever he was saying it, saying, I'm confident there will be a season. And then two weeks later, which is not a long period of time, now you take completely a complete 180 and say, well, now I don't know. I mean, there might not be a season. I am really worried at this point from a baseball standpoint. But I'll go even further, Nick. I'll be more surprised if we do have a season. I'm anticipating no season at all. Um, you know, the way it breaks down, it's, it's a really, really sad time for baseball right now because – uh, you know, I was watching first take earlier this morning. I know a lot of people don't like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman, but, you know, they made a lot of good points. Baseball is, you know, considered one of the, the top three sports in all across America, whether it's, you know, it's American football, basketball, and basketball's popularity is really on the rise right now. So you could either flip one of those two. And then you have baseball, who's always in a constant third place. Um because it doesn't get as much viewership as the basketball and football. It doesn't, you know, uh, outside of its niche following, they don't get many other outside people watching baseball. Now, the thing about that, and I agree with them both, saying is that with no baseball on TV, this can only hurt Major League Baseball. Can you imagine if they were the only sport playing right now? Literally no other sports are on right now. They could have been playing. They could have been grabbing the attention. They could have been gaining more popularity because if you read some of these comments on Bleacher Report and ESPN and their social feeds, everybody's saying, hey, I just want sports. I know people who did not watch UFC at all until the pandemic hit. Why? Because it was the only thing that was on. And then they said, hey, this is actually not that bad. Maybe I'll tune into a couple of more events. So even if you're only gaining casual fans, the fact that there's no sports on TV right now is a golden opportunity to reel fans in. And baseball is really missing out on that. And, you know, you and I both love baseball. We will always watch baseball. But there is a group of people that are dying out from the boredom of baseball because, yes, baseball is slower than basketball and football, per se. And there's already a group of people that think baseball is boring. And, you know, as much as I side with the players on this, and, we can, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more in the show, as much as I'm siding with the players on this, and I think the owners are being jerks right now, when it's billionaires against millionaires, no one is going to feel sorry for anybody. So the fans are the ones that are feeling the most hurt, even though the players are kind of getting screwed here. The fans are also getting screwed, and I'm telling you, most fans are not understanding like you and I. Oh, I don't know if you're understanding. I shouldn't assume that. But most fans aren't you know, understanding of the players' problem here. Most of them are going to be like, who cares? You're still getting paid $8 million and some change to go out there. You can feed your family with that. Go out there and play some baseball. We want to see it. The world wants to see it. And I think people could use that distraction right now. But again, I think baseball you know, is missing out on a huge opportunity here to try and grow. And um, yeah, I mean, I, ju I just feel like fans are not going to handle this in a good manner, um, especially when we all know that the MLB Players Association and the MLB league contract is going to run out soon, which might end up leading to another lockout. Yeah, so as far as, like, airtime, it's going to get watched. 
uh, as you said, it would be the only sport on TV. It would be nationally televised. Everywhere would be watching it. And part of my reason of saying that is ESPN's putting on Korean baseball <laughs> just because it's a sport at the end of the day. Uh, so easily, if the MLB was to be playing right now, everybody would be watching uh, baseball as it would be going on. But you, I want to go to one of your points. It's millionaires versus billionaires. And as you said, the, uh, the local fans are never going to accept that because we're going to look at it at the end of the day as this is money. The reason there's no season, the reason we couldn't have baseball was because of money. And do you think that if the MLB can't get a season going and they wind up just getting rid of the entire 2020 season, there are fans that are just going to stop watching baseball entirely, even after the 2020 season, because of the fact that money was the reason uh, for it. Yeah, I mean, I think without a doubt. I mean, I mean, you and I will obviously still keep watching baseball, but let's put ourselves in another person's shoe, right? You're laid off, the pandemic hit, you're furloughed, you're not working right now, and yet you hear somebody crying about not making 34 mil, but now making 10 mil. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, st- I, am, I am personally siding with the players because – I feel like they earned that 34 mil, even though I think, you know, athletes shouldn't get paid that much. They still earn that, right? Right? Because not many people can make it to the major leagues and and be a professional in that career. When it's all said and done, there's going to be people that don't care about how much money, money you're making. In a time where, you know, sports does often unite people, people want that. People want to feel a sense of normalcy. And I don't agree with that per se. I'm just giving you the aspect of what people are going to say and what people are going to think. And... You know, you and I weren't really old enough to remember this yet, but everything you read about the 1994 strike when they canceled the World Series, every article I've read, all the research I've done into it, a lot of fans lost interest in baseball because of that, right? Because, again, whenever it's billionaires against millionaires arguing about money, people don't care about that stuff. They don't want to listen to it. And whether it's right or wrong, they don't care. And it took a while for people to come back to baseball. And going back to first take earlier this morning, they made a good point. There was a documentary on ESPN on Sunday, Long Gone Summer. It took that home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and, you know, and, and Barry Bonds eventually coming into the mix. It took that kind of excitement to get people back into baseball. It took the people falling in love with the home run again in order to draw them back. Um, you know, granted, most of that is tainted because of all the steroid talk and all the HGH use. But it still put fans in the seats. It still brought eyeballs to the TV. And now, you know, I'm not saying that there is a way to get them back. But in a time where money is tight for a lot of people, you know, it's it's not just, oh, well, we're not making enough, so we want to go on strike. We're talking about, you know, they want to cut our salary in the middle of a pandemic and people are not working. That, to me, might strike a chord more with those fans that are like, you know what? I'm done with this because I'm tired of people arguing about money. I usually try to look at it as like Calvin Johnson is a good example for me or Luke Keekley. Uh These are guys in the NFL that retir- uh, retired early into their career uh, towards more of a prime or uh, when they were already uh, one of the top players in their positions and they chose to retire because of health reasons, not because they were 
necessarily always injured or uh, getting concussions and such, but they were more concerned about their health for the future and didn't see that it was worth continuously playing uh, and the health risks that could be implemented with that. I try and look at it that way when it comes to this more than millionaires versus billionaires. I'm sure you take somewhat of the same approach as well, Jose. Um, but for players, I mean, and this goes for any of the uh, athletes, not just in the MLB, but entirely in all sports, you are putting a little bit of a risk for yourself. You're, you're involving yourselves around many of people in a day. You're going to have to seclude yourself and quarantine yourself and put yourself in some health risk as, as for this season. And there might be, not just on the MLB side, but some on the NHL, some on the M- NBA, college sports, NFL, that don't see it worth the health risk. And when you talk about, yes, $34 million to $10 million, or $26 million to like $5 million, yeah, it's $5 million more than like most people are going to ever make in their life. Uh, but if you're talking about $5 million for a player who is financially secure and doesn't have to worry about that in his life, does it become worth it at that point to put all that unnecessary risk on top of that? And that's where I try and put it on more of I'm taking the player side with this wholeheartedly because the owners, they're not going to be near the stadium. Uh, Jerry Jones is not going to show up to any of the, uh, the football games if it's just going to be on its own closed off. There's going to be none of, nobody there for these games. So that's the same way I try and look at it on that part for the players. But if they can't get a season for the MLB, I think you're going to lose so many fan viewership uh, because of the fact that this is money. And that's ultimately the only thing that we're going to think of. We think of a couple words usually when we describe a topic, when we look at something. And this is just going to be one word to describe it, and it's going to be money at the end of the day. With that, you know, hopefully the MLB has a season. Um, there's talk about so many different games possibility. If they can, where do you think is a good number for them? You know, I think uh, it really depends. Uh, because players are going to need a revamp, uh, it's been a while since they, you know, spring training ended, so we are going to need a spring training too, so to speak. Um, you know, I like the idea that would have had them start on July 1st. I think... You know, half a season, 81 games, 82 games is a perfect number. Um, I know Rob Manfred floated out the number 48 or the 40-game season. That, to me, is too little. So I think a good number is anywhere from 60 to 82. Now, I don't like the idea of 60. I still feel like that's too short. If we can get 82 in, I think that would be perfect. But you got to be realistic. They're running out of time. The players are going to need a spring training, too, to at least revamp and get back into the mix. And, you know, a lot of players are, quote, staying in shape. But there's a difference of staying in shape and then getting ready to play a full season of baseball. Now, I think if they are going to play half a season, even though the players are willing to play over 100 and then go into their offseason, if they want to restrict it to it ending on time like it usually does, then I think from 60 to 82 is a good number. Again, I don't love 60, um, but anywhere from 60 to 82 games to me is a good number. Any less than 60, I don't feel like that's a season. That's a sprint. 
And I feel like you're going to do more damage that way because at that point, it's just going to be whatever team gets hot. So, obviously, this year, uh, you look at last year, and the Washington Nationals won the World Series. Uh, finally, after I picked them like almost every year for like seven years in a row or something. The year you didn't pick them. Yeah, probably, I know, right? right? Of course. <laughs> but you take Washington, and obviously everyone knows they got off to like a terrible start. Um, that if you look at what would have been like 60 games for them or so, or however long this possible season is, Washington's not making the playoffs. They had like 19 wins. They were like 19 and 31 or 19 and 38. Uh, they were just awful to start off the year. And then they kicked it into gear. Uh, obviously, when it comes to a season that might only have 60 dams or a season that might only have 80 dams, those first couple of weeks are going to be what matters. Uh, when the Mets went like 11 and 1 or 13 and 1 uh, one year and then they just blew out all of June. Um, those type of starts like Seattle's last season. Seattle, all of a sudden, if they can get off to a great start, they become a possible playoff team just by going out and winning like 10 out of your first like 14 games. Um, so how much, uh, not just only the fact that starting out early is going to be a huge factor for teams, but what kind of position of certain players do you think is going to need to excel and be the main factor to getting to the playoffs if there were to be a season? Like, would it be a starting pitcher uh, when they're only going to have even less starts? Or is it going to be bullpen, power hitters? What What is the biggest factor you think is going to be key if they were to play a season uh, for the best results? Well, I think starting pitching is going to be really, is going to be the real key here. Um, and the reason why I say that is because it is a shortened season. So, you know, I also, it's a double-edged sword here. I also think pitchers are the most at risk if they start up again. Because if you're a pitcher, I mean, and you hear a lot of these guys talk, they have strict throwing programs. So can you imagine, you know, by now they're expecting to be hitting their stride. In June, they want to be in midseason form. So is there going to be a weird layoff from pitching in March and spring training games to then shutting it down to an extent? Or were they pitching simulated games? How simulated can you get when all you have around you is your kid with wiffle ball bats? You know, I mean, there, there's questions there. You know, what is Jacob DeGrom doing to stay in shape? I don't know what he's doing. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how starting pitchers and relievers react because, you know, what happens when you shut down and then you got to start up again and now the season starts in July? That's going to be a big question mark. However, I also think starting pitchers are going to be a key here because now that you have less games to play, ideally – does that mean can you pitch more frequently? You know, can you go longer innings, right? Everybody talks about innings limit, innings limit. What does that mean going forward? Because April, May, and June are now gone. That's three months worth of innings there. I mean, does that mean Jacob DeGrom will be fresher come August and September? Does that mean certain guys who struggle in the beginning of the year uh, are going to hit their stride the minute the season starts? I think starting pitching is going to be a huge key going forward for a lot of teams. Um, just because they might be able to get more out of these guys than they usually would because it is a shortened season. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm big on, like, I, when you look at it, and it's like uh, the Cubs and Rockies were notoriously known for bad, uh, like Chris Bryant, uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, 
Trevor Story were uh, some of the top hitters were unknown for bad starts in the beginning of the seasons because of the cold weather of April. And then all of a sudden, once they got into like June, July, those players really took off for warmer weather. So I, I think that's going to be an added bonus for teams like the Rockies, teams like the Cubs, that you're not dealing with the cold weather early on uh, for the first month and a half of the season. Uh, unless you're starting in like, you know, really late. And they happen to play in regular cities at that point. But uh, one last thing I want to ask you before we jump to a quick break. If a player hits like 400 this season or just a pitcher pitches really well in the short amount of innings that they throw and has like one of the lowest ERAs, are you counting it? Uh, You know, it's... It's difficult. I mean, technically, I would say no. And I mean, listen, any stats that get recorded this year are going to have that asterisk next to it. Um, but I think the question also goes, I mean, I'm not going to I'm going to answer your question with a question. If somebody wins a World Series this year, does it count? Yeah, of course. Would you respect it the same way, even if it's a 40 game season? I would. I'm telling you, Nick, the Mets, the Mets are going to win this year because it's the year that people can claim it's not real and it's not legitimate. I don't believe that part. <laughs> I, I think 40 games, there's no way. Usually we get hot for 40 and then we decline the other 160. So I think we'll be fine or, or 140, I should say. No, not even 120. <laughs> but to answer your question, I think it will count to an extent. Um, but, you know, people are going to people are going to disagree. And, and you're, you're always going to have that. It's a shame, honestly, because I think. You know, if somebody hits 400, no matter the plate appearances, it's still impressive. But, you know, you're going to have that little thing in parentheses that say, you know, shortened season. So, honestly, I think my answer is I don't know if I'm going to count it because it's just going to feel weird. I don't know if I can count 400. That one is tough uh, because just not enough at bats. But I certainly can count the World Series part. That one's easier for me. Yep, Mets are definitely winning because everybody's going to be like, it didn't count. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about the NHL and their 2014 plan, how it compares to the NBA, and which one you like more. The SND Podcast channel could be listened to on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, SNDblog.com. We could also be found on all of the social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget, since you love our show so much, make sure to rate, review, and, of course, share with all your family and friends. And welcome back. Again, we're on episode 59 of Sarasso and the Beard podcast. And so sports, still not there yet. But the NHL, NBA, they at least have a game plan. Uh, the NHL one, I got to say, I love this one. Uh, they have bringing in 24 teams into the playoffs instead of 16. They added four to each conference. On top of that, just out of those added teams that they brought in, three of them are from the original SITS NHL teams. And you're talking about adding New York for the New York Rangers, Montreal, and Chicago. Those are three big market teams uh, to the playoffs. And a lot of this could be, you know, they didn't finish the regular season, so you want to try and give credit with there still being a lot of teams that could have made it if they finished real real strong uh for the regular season 
uh, like the Rangers. They were really hot right before the season came to an end almost, and then we had to put everything to it a halt. Now they're in the playoffs. Uh, for an NHL that really doesn't, like you said, there were three bid sports. NHL's more of that fourth one. Um, but they survive mostly on fans being at the stadiums with making purchases being for ticket sales. So when you talked about needing to just get TV revenue, adding big market teams, adding extra playoff teams, starting right in the playoffs when there hasn't been sports in so long. You know, I love this. Jose, what is your thought of the 24 teams? Yeah, I think it's, it's a smart idea. Um, I'm a big, I was a big fan of just starting the playoffs. Now they didn't even need to include the extra teams, but the more I think about it, the more I understand, yes, these teams were in striking distance. They definitely could have, you know, nabbed the final playoff spot. So it makes sense to let them in and try and compete. And, you know, what's the worst that happens? They get bounced out in the first round. You know, I don't think anybody who wasn't supposed to, or who really isn't supposed to be there is going to make it to a point if they really weren't supposed to be there. So I'm not worried about it, you know, affecting the competition levels. I think it's a good idea. Um, Secondly, I always think it's a good idea to just start the playoffs right away because everybody knows no matter what sport it is, the playoffs are always the most exciting time, right? It's the final chase. It's the end of the marathon. You know, it's the final sprint to see who takes home the trophy. And, you know, I'm not a big hockey fan. You know that. But I do tune into some of the playoff games because the playoff atmosphere is fun. The crowds get crazy. Now, although you're not going to be able to get you're not going to be able to hear the crowds on TV because they are playing without fans. The playoff atmosphere is still there knowing that every game matters and knowing that this is it. This is the time that, you know, it's crunch time to see who gets takes home the the Stanley Cup. Uh, You know, that's going to attract viewers, too. You know, we mentioned it again. There's not a lot of sports around right now. So the fact that hockey will be on TV, that'll bring eyes to the sport. Um, And of course, the fans are going to love it. And like you said, adding those three big markets, uh, you know, Ranger fans love their New York Rangers. If the Rangers are on TV, they're going to watch the Rangers on TV in drones, as well as those other cities that you mentioned as well, too. So, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, I think it's a great idea. I think it's I, I really wanted the NBA to just start the playoffs. However, I understand that they needed that little break to get it going again because, you know, players might be out of shape. So, you know, you don't want them to just start the playoffs if they're not going to be able to, to to hit go when they say go. Uh, but I like the idea of just starting the playoffs. It's the most exciting time of the year. I think the, uh, the NHL hit it right on the head by adding those teams too. I, yeah, I love this move ultimately because if they didn't, and this becomes the, the what if type of thing, you have obviously 16 teams and yes, you'll get the viewership. You'll get the playoff hockey. You'll get the, the fact that, there wasn't sports for so long, but I mean, you take it as it is. The Islanders are one point away. The Rangers were two points away there. There's 12 to 14 games left for these guys to play for just missing the playoffs. And so there's just too much of the factor of, you know, we would have got there. Uh, Whereas other teams, that are just in it, it might not feel as good. And so I really like the move they're doing here, just accepting the fact that, yeah, this is just a different season. And we're just going to throw everything out there. And everyone's got an opportunity, practically, 
to win the championship, uh, they do they are giving you know more of a headway and more of an advantage to the top four seeds of each one. They're just going to play for standings for that first part, whereas the final eight teams remaining in each conference are going to play each other in that first round elimination to get us to the final eight. So I really like that format. I think this is a great move by the NHL. And the fact is when you can include large market teams, and I'm I'm including the Islanders in this one because you get two New York teams in this, you're adding Montreal, you're adding Chicago, you're, you're adding great teams. Vancouver is another one that all these teams would have missed the playoffs if they just took the, uh, all the straight teams that were in the playoffs right now. Um, and you're adding large market teams. You're adding teams that have been to championships, teams that have great fan bases. And that's not to knock the other ones that I haven't named. It's just you got some of the original parts to the NHL part uh, in this. So I love that factor. On the flip side, uh, the NBA is going with 22 teams. The Knicks are not one of them. Shocker. <laughs> uh, they're taking the top 22. Nine of which are coming from the Eastern Conference, 13 coming from the Western Conference. And to start off, they're going to play eight regular season games. Uh, what's your take on that part? Uh, well, first, when I thought about it, I thought, man, they're really trying to get Zion into the playoffs as hard as they can. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense. You know, it wasn't like the Grizzlies were up by 10 games for that eight spot in the West. Uh, there was definitely a chance for the Pelicans and the Trailblazers to try and leapfrog them. Uh I think the eight games is a little interesting. I think it's a very short amount of time to try and make up the ground, but um, I think it's the best way to do it without pissing off the 16 teams that are kind of already in position to make the playoffs, right? Um, you don't want to make it too unfair for the teams that were in the 16 spots. Um, so it's very, very interesting. Uh, and I like it because, you know what, it adds some importance to those eight games because if you tell me, hey, the NBA is going to start on this day, it's eight, quote, regular season games and then the playoffs – I'm just going to tune in for the playoffs. But now that you tell me, hey, there's teams that can make it in and maybe try a playing game during these eight games, that's going to make me watch those eight games. Now, I question if guys like Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron will play in those eight games because, as we all know, the last thing you want is them getting hurt before the playoffs. But the fact that they put in those playing scenarios and those teams that are um, – you know, that might make the playoffs if they're able to leapfrog the Grizzlies and including the Wizards, too, for the Eastern side, too. That, to me, adds interest in those initial eight games. And I'll definitely be tuning into those eight games to see what happens. So I don't like it. And I'm just going it's it's not that I don't like the extra games. Um, I don't like it because of the fact that you're Memphis. This is really just to help the Western Conference, and try and figure out what our final seed is, right? It's going to figure out the the remaining seeding for the other teams and who's our eighth seed. But Orlando is five and a half games up on Washington. No eight games is going to help Washington out in this factor. Uh, You can't tell me bringing Washington in is going to matter. And The same can be said about the entire Western Conference. All right. You said it. I would love to see Zion in the playoffs. That would be amazing. I think that would be great for the NBA. What would I love to see in the playoffs? Also, Damian Lillard. He's phenomenal. 
why wouldn't we want to see them in there? But both of those teams are three and a half games out. And with eight games, are they really going to make up the three and a half games? It's so unlikely on that part. Uh, we don't know what which eight games they're going to take officially. And there's not a full season remaining. They're, they're missing out on like 16 plus games. They split the regular season remaining games in half. So I don't know what they're going to do on that part as far as the game's back, but it's not going to be a fair play-in for these other teams. And if you're Damian Lillard, or if you're Zion Williams, or if you're any of these guys, is it worth coming back for these eight extra games that you're not going to make the playoffs on, or you have such an unlikely chance to go there for? That was Jose. Uh, yeah, sorry. I had some technical difficulties. Can you repeat that last part? So if you're Damian Lillard and you're Zion Williamson or you're one of these teams that are sitting on the outside looking in and you're invited for these eight games, but you're five and a half games out or three and a half games out, are you too far out to make the playoffs and is it worth coming to play these games? No, I mean, I, I really don't think so. I think um, this is what Damian Lillard wanted, right? When they, when they were initially proposing this, they were talking about just having the eight games mean nothing and then having the playoffs start with the 16 teams. And Damian Lillard said, well, I'm not going to go play if there's not a chance to make the playoffs. Again, I think the NBA, they, you know, they want ratings. And I feel like by putting this stipulation in, it brings eyes to the sport. Now, I know your question is more about Lillard and Zion. Is it worth playing? I think three and a half games is very, very doable. I think that's like the cutoff, though. I think because teams were only two games behind the Grizzlies and three and a half games behind the Grizzlies. It's worth it to play these eight games because, you know, after a game or two, we might have our answer, right? If, you know, if the Pelicans and the Trailblazers lose one or two games and the Grizzlies win the first two, all of a sudden, you're talking about them being like, what, four or five games out with five games left to play, four games left to play, makes it very, very harder for them to make it in. So I feel like four teams, it would be nice to see some teams in the playoffs this is their chance to do it. I definitely think eight games is enough, at least for the Trailblazers and Pelicans. Um, you know, to get the Wizards in there, I get it because they were close. But, you know, really all eyes are on the on the, are on the the Pelicans and Trailblazers. I think it's worth it. I know a lot of players are concerned right now in terms of going to Florida. I get it. Um, but I think eight games is enough for them to try and make a dent and try and, and, try and uh, swing in there. You're basically asking Memphis to win two games. If Memphis can win two out of the eight, then that covers the playoffs. Because stranger things could happen. They could lose all eight games. Sure. But I don't think it's likely on that factor. And you you need Portland or, or New Orleans to win six out of the eight. So sits and two versus two and sits. And that makes up your three and a half right there. That's your only way. Memphis wins three games. They've made the playoffs. Because Portland's not winning and going eight and oh. And neither is New Orleans at that point. So I don't really think it's a viable option. I don't agree with uh, the eight games. I think it's just more of, you know, it's great that you can try and get some extra basketball in there, but there are better ways to do it. They could have had a, you know, the eighth seed kind of its own little playoff round. Uh, you could have taken Korea, you could have taken Korean baseball's way. 
I've been watching a little bit of Korean baseball. Okay, I love Korean baseball. It's been a blessing. Yeah, so basically in that standards, the one seed is already in the championship. And then the two seed is the uh, second round before that. And the three and the four are playing. The four plays the five. The winner takes on the three. The winner of that takes on the two. The winner of that takes on the one. Obviously, by the time the, the one seed is playing in that scenario, they don't have as much, uh, they haven't played as much, so you think they're going to be a little bit more rusty, but you could always have like a couple scrimmage games uh, between the one and two, between that time span, just so you're, you get your lights in there. You get your workout through that part, and I'm sure plenty of teams are going to wind up doing that just to get the lights going and the rust going. So I think that would have been more exciting. Obviously, it's not going to really last that long because one team's going to run into like the Lakers and the other team's going to run into the Bucks and all of them are going to be wiped out like nothing, but at least you get a little bit of excitement, a best of three scenario. That, that can take it much faster and much more entertaining than eight games by each team. Uh, you know, on top of that with the NBA, uh, we've heard players like Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard consider not even not wanting to play uh, for other reasons dealing with uh, Floyd and the movement slightly. Um, just a take on that part. For the NBA players not wanting to play? Yep. Yeah, so, and, and that's what I was kind of alluding to before, too. Um, I mean, it's a series of things. Obviously, right now in the world, uh, we are currently battling social injustice. Um, it's a very strange thing to be talking about here in 2020, right? You would think that we're so far ahead um, in this country that we wouldn't need to still be talking about this, but yet we still do. Um, and you have guys like Kyrie Irving stepping up, Dwight Howard stepping up and speaking, saying how basketball can be a distraction. Um and, and this is one of those scenarios, Nick, where I actually understand both sides, right? I understand the whole, well, if we just go out there and play, everybody's going to forget about what's going on, right? But I also understand that people like Ed Davis, who are saying, you know, not everybody's rich like Kyrie. You know, why don't we get the money that we're going to get paid from playing basketball and pour it back into, back into the community, right? Because if they don't play basketball, they don't get paid. Not to mention there are some players who are relying on this money to possibly feed their family. Um, again, I'm not trying to say that Kyrie is wrong. I'm just, I understand the players who do want to play, but I also understand the players who don't want to play. But I also agree with Ed Davis in a sense where he's saying they can use this platform to further the conversation. I mean, think about it. If all these players, every time they get interviewed, bring up something about it, it's still getting attention, right? The attention around the Black Lives Matter movement and the social injustice that's going on, it only dies if we let it die. You know, it only stops being talked about if we all stop talking about it. So let's not stop talking about it. Even if you're playing sports, if you're on TV, if you're interview, if you're in an interview, let's talk about it. I don't think that just because you're playing basketball, it means that, you know, things have to stop. Um, so I think it only serves as a distraction if we stop talking about it. Uh, so, again, I get where Kyrie is coming from. I understand that some players just don't feel right playing, and I feel like that's their right to choose if they don't want to play. You know, if any players actually came forward and said, hey, I'm going to sit this one out, I'm not going to be angry at them. If I was a teammate, I wouldn't be angry at them. I'd be like, okay, you know, I I get it. That's your right. 
Um, but I also think there are some players that want to use their platform to further the conversation. They want to take the money that they're going to potentially going to earn and pour it back into the communities. And I think that those are all great ideas as well, too. Yeah, ultimately, we have to listen. We have to change. We have to, you know, we have to fix this. It's one of those things. And I'm certainly, uh, I do agree with you. I think, you know, if players have a platform, you have to use it. Um, and, and that was the key. Uh, certainly, Colin Kaepernick had a platform and was doing and talking about this four years ago. And it was brought up as something that wasn't what it was about. And so we, we have to continue to listen. We have to continue on this path uh, where we have the protests. We have to make sure that people are heard and people are listened to and change finally happens. Speaking of Colin Kaepernick, Roger Dedell um, was asked about him and he was all for the idea of Colin Kaepernick uh, rejoining the team. He was hopeful that a team would sign Colin Kaepernick. Um, we've had Bruce Aries mention that he's considering three quarterbacks and keeping one quarterback solely away pretty much in their own self-quarantine all season long just in case uh, Tom Brady and the backup quarterback were to get the coronavirus. So for safety reasons, keep a third quarterback on its own uh, just for that safety. Uh, with those kind of ideas that teams are thinking about, uh, does this bring up a great chance for Colin Kaepernick to finally be part of an NFL team again? I mean, I think it definitely does. Uh... I think it's a good idea, even if you take Kaepernick out of the equation, I think it's just a good idea in general, right? Because, you know, we hear about it all the time in baseball sometimes when someone's injured, but they're not quite on the IL yet. You kind of have a taxi squad, um, somebody who is not is still in the minors, but still can get called up because they're literally with the team, just not in the clubhouse. Um, so why not have that extra option just in case? Because you don't know. We're living in some crazy times right now. And, you know, you could be fine today and then test positive for COVID tomorrow. Uh, so I think it's a good plan for uh, people out there uh, and for teams and for players to go out and make sure that they have a plan in case one of their players gets sick. That way they don't miss a beat. Um, now, going back to Kaepernick, I don't think Kaepernick will sign with a team, though, if it's for that option. Um, I think Kaepernick could be OK with being a backup. But if you're Colin Kaepernick, I really think Colin wants to uh, wants to go to a team or he has a chance to win the starting job. Um now, I think there's a lot of teams out there where he could actually try and push for the starting job, at least. Um, but I think the question is, there's no doubt that, to me, Colin Kaepernick should be in the NFL. The question is, what kind of deal does he want? Does he want a deal where he wants to be a starter right away? Is he okay with being a backup? Is he okay with being a taxi squad player? Um, that's what it really comes down to. Obviously, I love Colin Kaepernick. He does great things in the community. My question is for Colin now is, what role do you want to have? Are you okay with being a backup? Do you want to go somewhere where you can compete? Or do you want to go somewhere where you're instantly the starter? Because um, that's a, also a big question when we talk about teams wanting to sign him. Well, I certainly, again, will always say I think he should have a job. Uh, I think there should be 
32 teams wanting to sign him, whether it is for the starting position or it is for a backup position, because the fact of the matter is, if you're talking about there being three quarterbacks per team, what is that, like 96 quarterbacks? And we can't find a way where Colin Kaepernick is one of the top 96 quarterbacks. He's easily, I think, in the top 30. Right, I think you Nick, could easily start in the NFL, as you said, depending on which team. He's not going to start above guys like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's easy, type of thing. But, you know, can he start for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Can he start over Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears? Um, you know, if Blake Bortles it, signs, will Blake Bortles be the starter on a few of the teams? But but uh, there's sometimes sometimes quarterbacks don't want to be a backup, though. I mean, like Cam yeah. Newton, Cam Newton had to actually come out and say, hey, I'm willing to be a backup before teams were interested in signing him to be a backup. Right. Um, so I, that's my point is obviously Colin should have a job. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks. But what does Colin realistically want? Is he willing to go to a team and be a backup or does he want to be the instant starter is the big question in my mind. Well, I think if I, I think there's no way for him to be an instant starter, and I think he knows that too. Uh, you, you're talking about three plus years of not playing in the NFL. No matter what, you're going to have rust, and no matter what, I think he's going to he can be a great quarterback, and I think he can be a starter. But nobody's signing him to be their starting quarterback. James Winston didn't get a starting quarterback. Cam Newton didn't get a starting quarterback. Marcus Mariota is not a starting quarterback. Andy Dalton's not a starting quarterback. And all those guys were starting quarterbacks last year alone. So when you look at it that way, yeah, there's no way he's going to be signed as a starter. He's going to be signed if he does get signed as a backup, either as the third string guy or the second string guy with the possibility of being a starter, uh, I think that's more of a, a chance. But with that, do you think one of the 32 teams will take a shot on him? You know, I think they will. Um, and I think, I hope that they do it for the right reasons. I have a bad feeling in my stomach that a team will do it just because they want to look good. Uh, so it looks good that they brought him into play. Um, but like you said, I think there are a lot of teams that could benefit from having him. Jacksonville, I think, is team number one in my mind, right? Like, I like Gardner Minshew as much as the next guy, but I think Gardner Minshew is also, also still very raw. Um, I, I, I still think he could use a year or two holding a clipboard, so to speak, or learning from somebody. And I think Colin Kaepernick has a good style of play where he can run the ball. And can you imagine a backfield of Leonard Fournette and, and Colin Kaepernick back there, the damage that they can do? I think that team really does fit him very well. I also look at a team like the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, they like Tyrod Taylor. It seems like Taylor is going to be uh, be the starter. But in my mind, I think Colin Kaepernick is a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. And they got Justin Herbert waiting in the wings. But it, it seems like Herbert's not going to see the field this year. So that's a perfect scenario where if the Chargers want to say, hey, Colin, do you want to come to L.A.? Show what you got for a year. And, you know, we're probably not going to hang on to you after that year. But that could be a great audition for him. Uh, Las Vegas is a good example. I'm not convinced Gruden loves Derek Carr. Um, Marcus Mariota, to me, is not a starting quarterback. So there's areas where he can find a job and become a starter right away, in my opinion, if he goes there and grinds it out and battles for it. Um, So I think we definitely will see. Uh, I would have said New England, but part of me doesn't think New England or Massachusetts would react to that signing pretty well. So I don't know. (laughs) Although that would be amazing if Bill Belichick just brought in Colin Kaepernick and just wreaks havoc all over the league. 
you know, I would love it. Um, highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> highly unlikely. And, you know, after hearing, like, Tory Hunter's comments and CC Sabathia's comments, extremely unlikely. Um, you know, I, I think Colin Kaepernick should be signed. I don't know, and I don't believe he will be. Um, and I think that's the unfortunate. I, I, I do believe that there is the possibility teams could sign him for the wrong reason uh, than the right, but I think teams ultimately are just going to be thinking that three years is far too long. And I don't agree with that, but I'm not one of the 32 owners, and so I don't get a decisive uh, decision on that part. Uh, with that, you know, there's not really going to be a dude of a week, but uh, if I had to give one out, I would probably be doing it to Roger Goodell. I think that's the ultimate shocker on this one. Uh, but Goodell, who said he, uh, that the NFL is looking to pledge $250 million over the next 10 years uh, for social injustice and to help out in that part, all, automatically you're going to win the dude of the week on that part for us. So uh, I think that's for us, for our dude. Uh, Jose, do you happen to have a dunce? I do. My dunce of the week is going to be Drew Brees. And before, well, I mean, nobody's going to attack me now, but as people listen to this and before you verbally attack me for attacking the man for having an opinion, he's not my dunce for disagreeing with Colin Kaepernick. My, he's my dunce for still not understanding why Colin Kaepernick was doing what he was doing, right? No one cares that Drew Brees is going to proudly stand for the flag with his hand over his heart. Nobody cares that people want to stand for the flag. That's your right. If you want to, you can do that. You know, if you ask me, I don't even know if I would kneel. I would probably still stand, but also that's like my my thing. You know, I'm not going to judge the next guy for kneeling just because I want to stand. I think for someone like Drew Brees, who, you know, Obviously, a lot of the success on the New Orleans Saints come from African-American players, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. You know, for him to come out and make these comments, you saw his own teammates be like, okay. You know, they took a step back, and it's like, that's great to know, Drew. Thanks. Um, It's a weird scenario. I think he put himself in a terrible spot. And again, him not understanding what it's really about. And then a day later, he comes out with an apology with a stock photo that he found of two hands holding against each other, you know, like that to me, I couldn't get any cheesier than that, honestly. And I know players have forgiven Drew Brees, um, but I think it's okay for people to be angry because, you know, it takes people understanding what's going on. JJ Watt, Baker Mayfield, those guys had no problem saying, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to kneel, but I respect the guys that do. I respect what they're saying. And what's crazy is, is that people like Drew Brees, act like we're asking them to kneel with us. They act like we're asking them to do something crazy. We're not. All we're asking is that you listen. You can stand. Put your hand over your heart. You know, close your eyes as you recite the lyrics word for word in the national anthem. Love the flag. Make out with the flag like the president does that one weird time. But all we're asking for is just listen to us when we voice these concerns because these are concerns that could come back to bite you one day, right? You know, yes, racism is a real thing, but there are also just injustices regardless of you know the color of your skin there are some things in this country that are really wrong in general so listen to the issues and honestly 
you, you got to try and understand things. We're not doing things to disrespect the military. And what really bothers me is that people try and push this narrative that Colin is disrespecting the flag or that people who kneel are disrespecting the flag when it was a military veteran that recommended to Colin to kneel. Remember, Colin Kaepernick initially sat down and the veteran came up to him and said, hey, uh, it'd be more, it would be more less disrespectful if you kneeled. Colin Kaepernick could have said, no, I'm going to sit. But Colin listened. He obliged. He understood. And instead, then took a knee. So I don't want to hear it, honestly, about it being disrespectful anymore, because that narrative is false. I, I do think uh, Drew Brees kind of got helped out by the president when Trump made his uh, comments, and then it was Drew Brees who fired back on that side. Uh, so I think that was a good move by Drew there, but his initial reaction was totally off. Um, Mike Zimmer, the Vikings, put it in a great way. He's like, you know, I didn't understand then um, what it was about. And at this point, all I want to do is listen. I want to listen and then I want to look to help in the change. Uh, because most people won't understand or can't understand the challenge that it is. And what people face and we'll some people will never understand that part but we need to listen and then look for to change all those parts uh one last thing i'll leave off with uh i think it's a great job by nascar i think it's the first time we mentioned nascar on our show ever but uh, <laughs> nascar getting rid of the confederate flag from their races and i think that is a huge move by NASCAR, uh, a great move, uh, probably should have been done years ago, but <laughs> certainly the, a great step uh, for a sport you wouldn't expect to do so. Yeah, so, I'm not going to lie. I never, I did, I did not know who Bubba Wallace was before all this happened. <laughs> and I sure as hell don't know the guy that resigned from racing just because they did that. Um, but good move on NASCAR's part. Honestly, when that, when Bubba Wallace had mentioned that, I was like, yeah, good luck. There's no way that's happening. And then to see it done the next day or announced within hours, I thought that was really, really great. And a huge step there for NASCAR. Um, so major props to them, honestly. Yeah, and that that's what's supposed to happen. If, if we're taking anything as an example, NASCAR would be the perfect example. Again, wow. Things you never would expect to say in your life. <laughs> uh, but, you know, listen understand that part hearing it out and changing and going to look to change immediately um it goes a long way and i think a great job by nasca on this part to remove the confederate flag because there's no need for it with that uh you know most states are or have already reopened um you know, COVID-19 is not just disappeared and gone, uh, even with states reopening. Are you um, sure? Because there's a couple bars in, in New York City that think so. <laughs> uh, warm weather may be here, but that doesn't mean COVID has just disappeared. Uh, <laughs> so obviously I know, you know, states have reopened. Uh, even in New York is pretty much reopening. Um, but please, everyone, just try to continue to social distance as best as we can uh we're not through the through this yet um 
stay safe and continue to social distance. Uh, once again, I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And thank you so much for listening to Sarasso and the Beard podcast, episode 59. Be sure to check out all the podcasts on the S&D podcast channel. That's the sound of a day starting out right. I hear it every time my new Toro Z-Master 4000 Zero Turn starts up. With big-time horsepower, giant voodoo track tires, turbo force deck, and comforts like MyRide and USB ports, it's fully loaded to mow all day long while delivering that signature Toro cut. From start to finish, this beast means business. Get your Z-Master 4000 today. Toro. Count on it.